right? Like, where is that going to come from? Yeah, absolutely. And you hear that all the time. One of the, the deepest beliefs that people really have is that money is actually evil and that people that make money are actually bad. Uh, and it's interesting now because my priorities have just changed a lot over the last few years. And I, I don't want a lot of the things that I thought that I wanted um, as far as finances. It's not that I don't want to make money, but my, my priorities have just changed. So here's the big question. Have you ever been so financially frustrated from years of poor financial decisions only to wonder, why didn't they teach me in school anything about how to manage money? I've spent the last 20 years learning the secrets to how money really works and how to use it to get financially free on a goal to retire early. I've realized how much of an impact we could have on the world by teaching financial literacy, entrepreneurship, and a successful mindset. Join me as I interview some of the world's most successful business owners, coaches, and parents to get them to share their secrets on how you can not only learn but teach these lessons to your kids to become financially free and impact your children's financial trajectory so they can avoid the frustration and go on to do great things. I'm Cody Laughlin, and this is the Money Talkers Podcast. Welcome back, Money Talkers. I have a special guest today named Mallory Nicole, who I'm super excited to have on the show. Uh, she is a lifelong learner, a multidisciplinary and certified performance coach. And what that means is she gets result after result, watching six and seven figure earners implement mindset practices and seeing the lasting impact it has on their business growth. She's 100% certain that mindset, read that mindset, must be a key focus for success. It's where it all begins and it's where it never ends. So with that introduction, I want to welcome you to the show, Mallory. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so am I. And so I usually like to come out of the gate with a pretty quick question that uh, gets into this. So um, why do you believe that it has to start with mindset? Why do I believe it has to start with mindset? Where does it start if it doesn't start with mindset? If we I, yeah. don't have a baseline of, of an understanding of how we see the world and how we perceive things, then I don't think we actually know why we make the decisions that we make. And action is a super important part of every single business, every single person's life. But I like to kind of look a little bit further back and go, okay, why do you take the action that you take? Like, why did you come to this conclusion, this decision? Why'd you take this step? Where did this come from? That's the part that I really think is the foundational piece to taking the action that works. Do you think that frustration comes for people that don't find mindset training first? or least last, <laughs> I guess we could probably, you'd probably have frustration if you found it last and not first, right? <laughs> yeah, I think there's a real, real thing. And, and you hear it all the time of entrepreneurs and business owners that feel like they're outworking their problems because they keep trying to take different action, but they don't actually realize that mindset is the problem because there's, we as a society and as people have a tendency to fall more in the do category. Like what can I do differently? Which is great. Taking action is amazing. But if we don't know how we're being behind it, not much changes. You know, we used to um, come out of our meetings and uh, I had a large board table that we would sit at with a lot of my managers and stuff for the, the companies that own. And um, we had a rule 
that you couldn't leave. If we made a decision, we were going to make a decision on whatever we're going to do. But if you made the decision, you had to have, you had to have all buy-in. Like if, if I was the, the, if there's 10 people there and I'm the owner and I'm the, the one guy who's in dissent, if everybody mm-hmm. says we're going one way, we're all going that way at the same way and the same speed. And there's no, um, uh, malicious intent behind like, okay, this is, we'll do this, but it's going to fail. Right. Because mm-hmm. when we did those things, we found that if somebody wasn't on board, it didn't matter how good the decision was. Absolutely. Because if you've already believed that it's not going to work, you're subconsciously going to make it not work. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree with that statement more because um, I, but I, I think what's amazing though is you can, you can actually do the opposite of that. Right. So sometimes 100%. really bad ideas <laughs> become, you can work through not the best business decision if you have the right, uh, the right, the right way to look at it. Right. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And so when you get in with, um, with entrepreneurs as a coach, um, you know, what is your, what is your, I guess, perception that you initially find or what's kind of an overwhelming, uh, do they have similarities? Yeah, there's a few different categories that it falls into, but a lot of people, when they hire me, they feel like they have, they're hitting this glass ceiling of stress usually, and they've created this business but it's either just not going the way that they want it to go or they, they're waking up every day and they don't want to put their feet on the ground because they're like, oh, this just isn't what I thought it was going to be. Sometimes these people have made, they've accumulated a lot of wealth, but their life just doesn't feel how they want it to feel. Sometimes they, they haven't and they're hitting glass ceilings as far as income is concerned. But whatever the problem is, they've gotten to the point where they're able to say, you know what, there's something deeper going on. I've maybe read some personal growth books. I've, I've hired business coaches, but I'm feeling like there's something a little bit more that I need to address. That's usually when I most often help people. And then the other side of it is too, there's a, there, there's a group, a category of people that always invest in personal growth. And I will get those people that are just like, hey, I really resonate with what you're saying. I think you can help me get to the next level. I want to talk. Are they like career learners in that portion of the of their of their life? Usually, I most often work with business owners, but I find that the more that business owners invest in themselves, the more they're going to see an ROI on their business. Period. Yeah, it's like any other investment. The more you put mm-hmm. in, the more that's going to grow. You know, yeah. and, I, and I really think it starts to compound, just like interest rates do, um, when you're learning things because they start to tie together. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so when you're uh, when when we look at this as from a like a um, a different point of view from like the mind from money talkers point of view right mm-hmm. so if you're thinking about how you could apply this with parents and to their kids because what you're almost doing is like relearning for entrepreneurs right so mm-hmm. maybe uh, my my goal and intention in this is to give kids the tools that I learned later in life that I found a just appalling that we don't talk about these things when you're younger mm-hmm. in life. And I feel, but I also feel very fortunate because I'm one of the few people that got to get to there. Right. And so uh, I want to have that mindset come early because if I add another 10, 15, 20 years to someone's path where they've, where they're seeing the world that way, like, do you think you could apply that to um, like, if let's say you were instead of coaching an entrepreneur, uh, coaching a parent or a kid, you know, do you think you can apply that? Yeah, because mindset, really starts. I mean, when we look at what I'm really doing with clients, most of it's what's been programmed from the ages of like zero to 14, sometimes even zero to seven. So if you start talking about these things now, 
it's not to say that you're going to perfect your child, but you're going to widen their thinking and they're going to be able to go into adulthood, go into, I, I don't even want to use the word college anymore because that's not everybody's path, but go into post high school and whatever they enter into, they're going to think about it from a different lens because you have had those conversations with them from a really young age. And it's not having those conversations from a place of pressure and trying to, you know, force your kids to start thinking about their finances in a way that they, they need to have it all figured out at 10 years old, but encouraging <laughs> kids to be able to have money conversations that don't feel like stress. Cause that's really, when I look at my childhood, money and stress, that was it. Really? Yes, a hundred percent. Anytime my parents were talking about finances, the energy in the room was just stressful. Yeah, that's um. Well, it's the number one cause for divorce. You know, is is financial stress because it causes arguments, and we think that kids maybe don't know what we're talking about because they're in the other room or whatever. But they hear a lot of things, and so they begin to associate that. You know that uh, if if you're looking at money as a as a big bad evil, then you'll always look at it that way until you retrain, until you figure out it's a tool, um, that there are, you know, ultimate ways to get to your end goal, whatever that goal may be, whatever bring that happiness to your life. And so, well, you kind of opened the door to it. And so how did you, you know, how did you grow up seeing these things? Like what was, what was your experiences, um, with that, with seeing some of that stress around the money? Like what was, what were your experiences? Yeah. So I, Actually, never gone into this detail on a show, but this is a money talker show. So we're going to go there. So my dad owned a business when I was, I want to say like 10 to 12 years or maybe eight to 12 years old. He had a business for four to five years and it just so happened, you know, I think he really was doing his best. He was trying his hardest. The accountant that he worked with, um, the taxes got really messed up. So long story short, he ended up in a lot of tax debt once it was all said and done. And it took a long time to pay that tax debt off. It was just filed the wrong way. I don't know exactly what happened. But from then on, every time that tax bill would come in the mail, I just remember him being so frustrated and angry and the energy around that day. It was like, oh, it's tax bill day. We know what's going on. Like, don't talk to dad, leave him alone. Because it just, I think it just defeated him. And I remember feeling like there were so many limitations to money. There were so many limitations to what somebody can create. I had a belief, like I instilled this belief in myself that I would never make over $50,000. I don't know where that came from. I just remember believing you're never going to make over $50,000. And I kid you not, in, in my prior career, I worked for an engineering firm. I made 48000 before I started a business, I make way more than 50,000 now, but before I started a business and started doing a lot of my own personal growth work and kind of rewiring my own stuff, I hit those caps. It was like subconsciously, I was limiting myself from that growth. How did you break through it? Oh man. I mean, I've done a ton of personal growth work. I, I, worked with a coach for a year and a half, two years. I still see her now. She's been with me for a long time, or I've been with her for a long time, rather. I don't see her as much as I did in the beginning, but 
I grew uh, I had a handful of trauma that I had to work through and just different layers of different things that were kind of showing up in my life. And I saw all of that as an invitation, really, really? Um, to deeper understand some of my behaviors and learn and grow versus it showing up as a, a horrible negative thing about having to go and do all this work. It just felt like an opportunity and I don't regret a single minute of it. You know, I, um, I hear something in there that uh, kind of sparks what, you know, I would say, if you wanted my outside opinion in our short, brief conversation about it, is that you just, you, you started to address it, right? Because Absolutely. that's one of the things that I'm doing with Money Talkers is I want to break down that there's this barrier about money. We can't talk about it. We don't think about it. It doesn't affect us if we just shove our head in the sand or whatever else, you know, it just, mm -hmm. it, it goes away. But the second you start working on things, it becomes less and less scary you know, and, and you start to realize that there's a lot of things holding you back that mm -hmm. you don't even realize you're doing, you know, Absolutely. But you got to find something else to blame it on. And then you realize at the end of the day, you got to look in the mirror. And I think that's, what's really kind of scary for a lot of people as we kind of talk about the subject is because no one wants to put their own chips on the table. A hundred percent. And, and just to kind of give the other side of it too, when I started a business and I started having more income than $50,000 a year, I actually experienced a little bit of like, shame of like, oh, I don't want to tell my parents about this. If my parents have any idea how much money I make, this is going to be so uncomfortable and so weird. And I'm far past that at this point. That doesn't even exist. But it's, I could sense and feel my own beliefs about who I was and what money meant and what value money had and how I was putting it on myself that there, it just needed to be cleaned up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, uh, like you just said, you know, you, you just, if you, if you look at the problem, you can solve it. Right. So I, I always like to say, whatever you put out light on shines. Right. And so, and a lot of that's in a business happen, you know, business sense, but it also works on a personal development sense. So mm -hmm. like, if you have, um, you know, issues holding you back, like the more you leave them alone, the worse they usually get, you know, mm -hmm. but if you tackle them, they're usually a lot less scary than you think they were in the beginning, you know, absolutely. It, and so I think that opening the door to talk about money with kids is one of those things. Like it's, it's scary for parents because, you know, you're thinking like, I don't want them to know what I make, or I don't want them to ask me why I, why we don't live in a mansion. And I don't want, you know, and it's like, you, you kind of think these things are like, but so you're just kind of going to leave them alone and then they'll figure it out on their own. Like, I don't have to deal with it. <laughs> like Absolutely. Life take care of it. it they'll get really good information from somebody else. Right. Like, where is that going to come from? Yeah, absolutely. And you hear that all the time. One of the, the deepest beliefs that people really have is that money is actually evil and that people that make money are actually bad. Uh, and it's interesting now because my priorities have just changed a lot over the last few years. And I, I don't want a lot of the things that I thought that I wanted. Um, as far as finances, it's not that I don't want to make money, but my, my priorities have just changed. But anyways, one of the things that I think that is helpful is to really look at money like violence because mm -hmm. violence, violence is not good or bad. Violence is neutral, depending on how you use it. If you are defending yourself, if you're in a place of uh, needing to protect yourself and you instill violence, well, then it's, that's okay. And it's safe and it's good. If you're just walking around being violent, well, it's bad. Money is pretty much the same way. People that make money, they get to decide what they do with it. It's neutral. It's not positive or negative. It all goes back to how the person uses it and experiences making it. Yeah, there's a lot of good done with it, right? And, Absolutely. Uh, and I, I believe it's an amplifier of what's already there in your heart. So if you're, 
you know, if you're uh, struggling and you're being a jerk, like if you get money, you're not probably going to be nice. Like you're mm-hmm. still going to be a jerk. Like you have to work on the interior thing that you need to work on in the first place, which is usually changeable, you know. Um, but it's not the, you know, a lot of people say like, well, I'd be happy if I just had enough money. Mm-hmm. Okay. What's enough? Because if you find yep. somebody who's at that level, ask them if they're happy because they have just enough money and they don't need it. And I tell you, I work with a lot of those people right there that you're talking about. <laughs> really? Yeah. It's, and yeah. it's just because you, you, you're never going to feel that it's enough. Like the number moves mm-hmm. a lot depending from year to year, but the number is so unattainable for most, you know, I wouldn't say unattainable, but it's unrealistic to go from where they're at to the number that they would feel comfortable with that it's almost like an excuse to say, okay, well, I would only feel better if I had $3 million cash. Mm-hmm. So few people in the world that have $3 million cash, you know, and it's like, yeah, why wouldn't, you know, why, why don't you get to saving $10,000 to so have an emergency fund? Well, because and I even that brings million, up, right? <laughs> yeah, that brings up another thing that I end up working with people on because a lot of people are really good at making money, but they can't keep it. And usually faster it goes up, the faster it goes out. Right. And there are some deep rooted subconscious beliefs that are often connected to that too. It's never as bizarre as this may sound like it's never about money itself. And I try and tell people that when it comes to money mindset, it has nothing to do with money. It has to do with how you feel in this world, the security that you feel as a person, that your confidence within yourself, your worthiness, how you perceive things, that is what your relationship with money will model. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, because it, it really, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to make a lot of money as a young guy, right? A young man coming out of college, like I had businesses take off and I was that guy. I used to, I call it a paper tiger, right? And so I was built on a house of cards. And when the, uh, the second that the flow stopped coming in, all the bills didn't. And it just mm-hmm. rumbled uh, gloriously, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just, and so, um, but today, you know, I'm in a different position and, um, and, and, but it was an intentional thing, but, you know, I still cringe at $4 coffees right now. Like it, it shouldn't bother me, but I bring, I'm drinking my own coffee from home at my <laughs> podcast booth. Right. And like, so I still, uh, I still have a hard time because I shifted the mindset so hard to get where I'm at that I can't like unshift it a lot of times. Like I still get worried and anxious just on small purchases. Well, that's, I mean that the word trauma means different things to different people. But to me, that was a very traumatic event. And that's real in business. People truly go through experiences of like, I had all this money and then all of a sudden it was gone. Everything fell apart. That's traumatic. I mean, it is, it's not something that you just like, you wake up next the following week and you're like, okay, I'm going to do this now and everything's going to be fine. Well, that's the thing, you know, no one would ever sign up for what I went through, but I would have not changed it now for the the life of me. And I went through, uh, I went through tax day. That was fun. (laughs) (laughs) The short part of my story is uh, I filed eight tax returns at one time. The accountant told me I owed 27 grand. I was like ecstatic, which was a weird thing to say because Uh I thought it was way worse than that. And then a month later, uh, my mailbox was full with all those really pretty IRS letters and it was really $98,000. 
You know what's crazy is that's about the exact amount that my my dad ended up owing. It was like a hundred grand. And yeah, they were like, if it was two more thousand dollars, we would have delivered this to you. Like, (laughs) I was like, oh boy. So yeah, yeah, it went from like, oh, I can tackle this to like, oh no, I'm back in the hole. Like I didn't, I thought I, I I thought I had made the breakthrough, and so I kind of got a double dip in uh, financial depression of that part because I was just like $98,000. Like what? (laughs) Right. Right. And it's generational too. I mean, looking at like, so like his parents, they don't even have bank accounts. Like they bought their house in cash. Like the fact that I, anybody would ever even have a credit card is like the worst thing in the world to them. And somewhere in your subconscious, like you're carrying these generational patterns with you without even realizing it until you bring your, your awareness to it. Well, that's a good point because right now with Money Talkers is that I want people that want to change that, right? I'm looking for those people. I'm looking for the people who look for, okay, I get to pick how my kids see the world and the tools that I give them. I don't get to pick how they see the world, but I get to pick the the, the, the things that they can see. And hopefully how I help them see up, the right? world. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's, I'm, I have an eight and a six year old and I talk to them, you know, about a lot of this stuff and, mm-hmm. you know, people think, well, it's probably too little, too little for that. I'm like, they're soaking it up. Like, and you know, they're and, learning it yeah. regardless of whether you're talking to them about it or not. Yeah. They're going to one one way or the other, mm-hmm. you know, and if I'm constantly stressed that the, when the bills come in the mail and uh, then they'll be constantly stressed when the bills come in the mail. Right. Or like, why does dad have a money talkers podcast that he won't talk to us about? Yeah, exactly. It'd be pretty, pretty hypocritical. Right. <laughs> and uh, I had a, um, I interviewed someone that has a, um, a brand uh, around like moms. Right. And she's, she goes in and helps people structure the houses and stuff. And she realized that her four-year-old was like, super upset of when it was like laundry. It was like, ugh, laundry. And she was like, he's never done laundry. So it's just me. He's hearing me. Like, oh, laundry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. <laughs> so that's but, so interesting. Yeah, I get it because laundry's awful. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh it's um so they're 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 observing, they're watching things and um and so if you're if you're taking the conscious steps to um to better yourself and better your lives, they'll follow that. And then mm-hmm. hopefully you're doing it together and hand in hand, right? Because Absolutely. no one is ever going to care for your child more than the parent, right? It's the one person in the world that would, that would die for them, you know, and, and they're never going to get somebody with that level of buy-in anywhere else. And so, um, you know, if, if that's the concern, they're like, don't, I think that that's where the, where the, where you want to have the biggest impact. hundred percent. It's all about perception. Uh, something that's kind of relative right now. I told you before we started recording, we just, I, my fiance and I just got married. So now husband, we got married like a week ago and we planned, we already had a small wedding planned. And because we're in the middle of phases and not everything's opened up yet. Was, was it, it a Zoom wedding? No, it wasn't a Zoom <laughs> wedding. It was like, four, something like that. No, yeah, like, there were a handful of people there. It was like, Good. People. I'm glad you got to have the, the, the wedding day. Right. <laughs> and it ended up being, uh, it ended up being more than we planned. We were doing some DIY stuff, but we had a florist and we had this and we had that. So it ended up being more more than we planned. But the way I look at it right now and kind of what I had to do, because I was like, man, this is this is a little bit more than we intended. How great is it that right now in the middle of a pandemic, I get to pay a florist that had an entire season of weddings and I'm the only bride that still went through with her wedding. So she gets, you know, something 
some something it's all about how you perceive it and just those minor little tweaks it was like oh my gosh same thing with the girl that did my hair the only person that's getting married and, and she'll you know she's a hairstylist she's got other people that she's doing cuts and colors for and stuff but just the shift in perception of like, I'm so glad to be paying other people that are working hard, small business owners, trying their best to do what they can right now in this really weird time of life. I don't even care about the money that I spent anymore because I'm so grateful that it's going to somebody that I know is really working hard. Well, you're talking about mindset, but I mean, just right there, right? You could be, you put your arms up and I can't believe I'm have to get married in a pandemic. Right. right. Or right. I get to get married in a pandemic. Like yeah. you have a really, those are two very, very opposing viewpoints. They are. On the exact same situation. Yeah. You know, yeah. the world didn't yeah. change, right? The, it's just the way you perceived it. And so you can either, you can be, you know, um, somebody throws their hands up and says, listen, I'm not dealing with money. Or you can be somebody that throws their hands up and says, I'm going to start dealing with it. Mm -hmm. you know? Or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to not talk to my kids because it's terrifying. Or I can't wait to talk to my kids. I know it's terrifying, but this is going to be great. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's always just the emotion that we connect to it. The conversation is really not ever that bad. And that yeah. emotion is going to last for like 90 seconds. That's really, if you look at like the science of emotions, it's about 90 seconds in, it goes away and things are fine. Yeah. I think we build it up more in our head, right? Oh, 100%. <laughs> we're, we're, the, we're the biggest gatekeepers to our successes in, in, uh, in blocks uh, that are in there. And so, that was one of the reasons I love the word paradigm because it's just, uh, it's the way that you can shift it. And so people don't realize you can, you can actually control that. You know, uh -huh. you can't really, you can't, re I don't think you can control the raw emotion that's deep inside where like, you're like, Oh, like this is terrifying. But the question that I usually ask when in my own head, when I'm having my own little internal arguments and stuff is so what are you going to do about it? Yep. Right. This is terrifying. Okay, great. What are you going to do about it? Like, yep. are you going to run away? Are you going to go tackle it? Are you going to, you know, go find more information? Are you going to just, wing it like you know i start to have those conversations and when i when i step out of the emotional side of it like i am terrified to do this and i go what am i going to do about it like it just it turns it from like an emotional just to like an, an actual decision mm -hmm. yeah it becomes i can just ownership. now i get to pick what i'm going to have have happen afterwards yeah and, and uh, a lot of people just continue to try and avoid those emotions i don't want to face it i don't want to face it i don't want to face it and the truth is is it doesn't go anywhere it lingers in the back of your mind. It builds up. It's a low grade stress or high grade stress that you didn't even realize that you're building up. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that it, um, for me personally, I was a collector of that. Right. So like, I was always like, I didn't want to make the wrong decisions. I had a really bad habit of that. Mm -hmm. And I actually, at one point in my business career decided I was, uh, we read this book and it was like more, more harm is harm is caused by indecision than wrong decisions. And I read that and it like, it cut hard, right. And on me personally, and I was like, okay, I know I'm the bottleneck now. So I kind of took that strategy of like the Jim Carrey movie where he's like, he has to say yes to everything. Mm -hmm. I didn't say yes to everything, but I made a decision that for like three weeks, I was going to give an answer to any question that was asked to me. I was not allowed to say, let me think about it. I'll get back to you because I did that constantly. And I was collecting, I don't know if you've ever seen like the one minute manager meets the monkeys or something. It's like, and he's like collecting monkeys because those are where problems are. And I was just constantly collecting monkeys. So I was thinking about it morning, noon, and night when I was dreaming, when I was driving, when I was talking to my kids, I had these monkey problems that I'm just like, and when I just started answering them, it was amazing because I just left it at the door. Your brain was no longer going through loops. Loops, no, I, loops, loops. Yeah. I wasn't thinking about things that didn't matter. You know what? Right. I probably made the same decision in the first five seconds that I would have made five days later. 
Right. And what I really found out in my business was there were about half the questions that people didn't ask me. So Can you say I that think, again. There were about half the questions that people would have asked me. They didn't ask me because they saw uh, me okay. collecting these things. And so they would walk to my office and be like, oh, like he looks like I'm he's not too busy. Address him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's too busy or Ooh, I don't want to deal with him. He looks stressed out. Like because I was, I was, I was collecting all this stuff in me. And it, but what I found out was I wasn't just a bottleneck with the questions they were asking me. I was more of a bottleneck because I wasn't helping them. I was the best problem solver for the solution that needed to be there. And they weren't asking me. And so they just uh, put the yeah. aside and it bogged down the company. And I didn't realize that until I started this little experiment. That is such a powerful shift in taking ownership of that though, because I think energy has the word, has a tendency to be a word that people are like, oh, that's so woo woo, like energy. But you know, just like you said, you walk into a room, you can see someone stressed out. If you walk into a room of two people that have been arguing, this is the example I like to use most often, walk into a room of two people that have been arguing, they might not be arguing anymore. You can feel that there has just been an argument in the room. I just picture that Homer Simpson meme where he's like sliding back into the, like the, the bush. <laughs> you know, you're like, hey, oh, uh, <laughs> no. So you're, we're yeah. constantly putting an energy out day after day after day. And if we don't recognize what that energy is, you know, we're not consciously living. Yeah, that's such a good point. And I would tell you this, like what I did personally was like, I got everybody together and I stated that I knew that I was a problem. Like I had, I had wow. probably, I had a hundred plus employees. I had probably 40 of them in the room. I was like, look, I know that I'm a problem because I'm not giving you answers. And I promise you for the next three weeks, like anything you ask me, I'm going to answer you. So did and you break I, the habit after that? I did. I did. Yeah. And I, and I, and I've actually taken it to my personal life. I still, I still have the tendency, mm -hmm. you know, to want to think about it or whatever, but I also, it's very, it's so freeing that if I just, and what I don't do now is I don't second guess the decisions and I generally try to make a decision on the spot, you know? Yep. And, and you it, usually, usually know. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're, I mean, but it, even if you think about it, you're really not going to get it right or wrong either way. Like there's not a better possibility because you just analyze more, like just make a decision because the time it takes for you make the decision, even if you're wrong, you're going to find out faster. You can make more decisions. And I think that sometimes when we look at the world in a black and white kind of frame, it's like, we we forget that well maybe we didn't make the wrong decision but we made a decision that we we don't really like well then you can make another one you can always change it but you find yeah. out faster so right. you didn't spend three months worrying about the decision not finding out which one was right because that's right. the thing you could have found out which were the which one what result was going to be created so maybe it wasn't the um I would say it was a right or wrong decision. It's usually like it didn't have the outcome that you wanted it to, mm -hmm. but you can then adjust and, and pivot or you can, you know, whatever word you want to use, you can then shift and make the other decision and go another route because you've got data now before you're dealing with what ifs, right? Exactly. Exactly. And so, um, but yeah, it's uh, for me personally and um, you know, and, and in our household, like I'm usually just like, what do you want to do? And I find myself like, oh, I don't know. Let me, and I'm like, oh. I'm like, okay. And I just make a decision. And then it's like, well, what do you, I'm like, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Like I'm done. Like, I'm, That's I'm, it. I, yeah, I, I had my shift already. Like I'm done, you know? And so we, and I'm like, I want to go that way. And then, so, uh, um, <laughs> well, it's really <laughs> simple. It's like, are we being present? We don't realize how often we spend either thinking about the past or thinking about the future. 
I had a neuroscientologist on and um, she said we have 70,000 thoughts a day. And like 98% of them are the same that you thought yesterday. Yeah, I think 5,000 <laughs> she said for food. <laughs> that feels true. Maybe 10,000 for me. Seven to 8,000 range. Yeah. I told her. So. <laughs> but I was like, really? And she was like, yeah, it's pretty bad. It's pretty crazy. So your mind is in, even when you're like thinking of thinking, your mind's back there thinking stuff already. Mm -hmm. And so the more that you can clear that out, the more you can uh, clear space for new problems, future problems, you know, future things that you want to do, uh, things that you can affect, you can affect the past. So if you're constantly thinking about the mistakes you made, like you're clogging up the lanes for all the things that you could do in the future. Absolutely. And I think that that kind of goes to one of the biggest questions that I have when people are first interested in, in doing like personal coaching work is they're like, well, I don't really feel like it's necessary to go relive my past. And it's not, that's not the point of any of it, but it is really, really powerful to look at why you have the belief system that you have, where it came from, where it's connected so that you can break those patterns and really create actual new neural pathways to think differently. Yeah, I, I agree with that. When I say I don't want to think about the past, it's not like that though. It's more like, I, as I know it shaped me. Mm -hmm. And so I look back, I, I, I reflect back on a lot of the things that, you know, had major impacts in my life, but I don't, I, I try not to, what does it say, sweat the small stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Like yeah. the little decisions, like, you know, if I picked, um, like when we were, when, when I redo houses and stuff, I, do, I flip houses sometimes, like if I pick doorknobs and then later I don't, like, I never even think about them twice. Right. And I were like, oh, right. I wish I'd get the silver ones. Or maybe if I got, the, I'm just like, that, those are doorknobs are done. Right. Like, it's off the list. It's out of the brain. Like I'm done with that thing, you right. know? And so I just move on and go instead of spending three weeks trying to figure out what doorknobs to get, because I really don't care at the end of the day. <laughs> right. And home renovation. We've done flipping before too. You've got like 700 other decisions you have to make in the process. Of yeah. Just start checking them off. Yeah. yeah you, but time is money. Mm-hmm. And in, in that business, especially time, because carrying costs are so heavy. So like time is always money. And so like, but once the decision is made for me, I'm like, if, and if it turns out bad, go. yeah, I'm like, just, all right, get other doorknobs. No big deal. <laughs> like, that's it. Like, there's no, you know, there's no emotional attachments to those things. And so I try to leave those small things on the side and it helps out a lot. So let me ask you one more question and then we'll wrap up and we're going to head over to the high impact series, right? Yeah. Um, as we talk about this, do you think that what kind of advice would you give for parents to be able to help instill some of these thoughts, right? Because instead of retraining, hopefully we can train, right? Um, which is, uh, so if they're, if they're making conscious efforts to be the first inputs, right? Because that's what you're really kind of looking at. You mentioned like, you know, why do you make the decisions you make is one mm -hmm. of the things you need to do about mindset because you need to understand where your core came from. What would you think you, you would give for advice to start with somebody who's in charge of like building the core, I guess would be the best way to put it. Yeah, so short answer on this one, cause we're gonna go into this a little bit more, but I think the biggest thing that I, I feel like is, is important when it comes to money is, and children, is that if you, I can't stress the importance of what it means to have, to raise a child that believes in themselves. And I don't mean you did a good job on the math test. You did a good job scoring the soccer goal. You did a good job uh, running track. I don't mean that. I mean like truly believing in themselves to get through the hard, the good, all of it, 
those kids are going to be fine with money when they're adults. That's awesome. I love the teaser too, because we're going to get into the, uh, <laughs> we're going to put this, we're going to have a high impact series here. And I, I just reminded me something of what my daughter said to me this morning. She said, dad, you know what? And I said, what? She goes, she goes, because she's doing horseback riding camp this week, which is pretty cool because I'm in Ocala. So we have horse, like boatloads of horses around. That's cool. And uh, she was like, you know what, dad? And I was like, what? She goes, I like horses. She was like, I like making decisions. And she goes, I think I like being in charge. She goes, I think I'm an alpha. And I was like, what? She's eight. <laughs> I was like, you know, I, me and my wife have to tell ourselves that like she's she's strong willed. So that's what that's and we've had to deal with you know strong willed for the whole way. But I, I love her. She just you know and like I've never talked to her about being an alpha, you know, like or anything like that. And her and she just you know I like horseback riding. I like making decisions. I think I like being in charge. <laughs> so thought that was pretty cool. But that's, you know, you talk about raising confident kids. Like, I don't worry about her. <laughs> well, if you, I mean, if you've got confidence in yourself, like, it doesn't matter how hard things get because life is not always up. And I think that that's something that we're all kind of experiencing right now. Just to talk for a second on that, we're in a low right now as far as society collectively as a whole is experiencing. Life's really the same way. We go through lows and we go through highs. It's not even, it's not the same pace. It's up and down, it's up and down. But if you can teach a child or as an adult, if you can learn to get through the lows and the highs with the, with the same belief in self, with that unwavering confidence that you have what it takes to get through this, that's going to show up. It's going to show up in the hard times, but it's also going to be the skill set and the way that they show up in the good times too. Yeah, I can I can attest to that 1000% because the last recession in 08 was devastating to me. And I was just like, I threw my hands up. I didn't know what to do. This time I was coming around. I started preparing and prepping. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, it was like, okay, I can either wait six months and start to do the things that would help me. Right. Because at that point, I'm over it and I'm got to get back to doing things or I can do it today. Right. And I chose today, you know, and right. that's the, and that's the thing. And so I would say with, um, with building that confidence with my, my daughter, like I'm really proud of that part of her, but I'm even more proud that she is much more inclusive as that type of person. So she's, she's the first one to see the kid who may be struggling to go grab them and, mm -hmm. and help, them. you know, she's a, that's she's awesome. a, she's a true leader, not just a, you know, a break away from the pack. Like I'm, I'm in charge, like a manager, you know, and so she's yeah, she's an alpha, but she's also a. She, but there's a difference between a leader and a manager, you know. There is. Managers there think is. alphas, you know. Leaders getting the get in and push with the with the. And they do it first. Yeah, they're the yeah. first ones to do something. So, yeah. um, well, that's awesome. Um, I want to. We're gonna end it here, and we're gonna head over to the high impact series. And um, uh, but I also want to give you an opportunity if uh, if you've been listening to this Money Talkers and you want to find out more about what Mallory Nicole does and uh, and and find out more of the things that she puts out there, where's the best place to find you? So the best place to find me is I've, I've also got a show. It's called the Abundantly Clear Podcast. Uh, and you can reach me if you go to my website, abundantlyclearpodcast.com and send me a message. I do a blind spot assessments with people. So I take them through a 30 minute exercise for people that are interested potentially in working in a one-on-one -on -one coaching role, but they're not really sure. Maybe they're like, oh, that's interesting, but I'm just not sure if it's for me. It helps people understand where their blind spots really are, because I believe that our blind spots are where opportunity lies. And once we address them, that's where the growth is. Yeah, I think as a, an, an independent third party, you can see things oh, so much easier than when you're standing in the mm -hmm. middle of it. 
right? Absolutely. <laughs> well, we all um, need it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, awesome. Thank you so much for coming on Money Talkers and uh, head over to the uh, next, catch the next episode as we get into the high impact series. Thanks again, awesome. Mallory. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Money Talkers with me, your host, Cody Laughlin. If you found this episode helpful in your pursuit of financial dominance, it really helps if you make sure to leave a five-star rating and share it with your friends or family members who could use good financial information and entrepreneurial success tips. I invite you to join the Money Talkers community Facebook group. Open Facebook and search for Money Talkers to join today. Follow us on Instagram at the Money Talkers for inspirational mindset posts, encouragement, and investing tips. And remember, the one thing you can do to change your kid's financial future is to start talking about money with them because you are a money talker.